0: fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome
1: into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right
0: place. With host Rob Keck, your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and what an outstanding show we have for you today. This week, we're talking waterfowl, ducks, geese, swans, and more. You know, several weeks back, when the first 20 degree snow flurried morning hit the Matamiskeet National Wildlife Refuge, I was there to witness the spectacular arrival of thousands of swans, Canada geese, snow geese, ducks of every species, and I can tell you the goose, the swan, the duck music, it was deafening, but beautiful. The sky was full of waterfowl as they made their way from Canada to their wintering grounds there in eastern North Carolina. I couldn't get enough as I took my iPhone and recorded the sounds and the flights, playing them over and over ever since. And, you know, it it once again spoke to me about the heroes of conservation. It emphasized the ongoing responsibility that we as hunters, as conservationists, have to conserve, manage, and protect our precious natural resources, our wildlife resource that God has entrusted us with. Well, our guest today on this show will be the Chief Operating Officer of Ducks Unlimited, Nick Wiley. He's going to fill us in on this fall's and winter's waterfowl assessment and the hunting and the viewing opportunities that await all of us. Also joining us will be the founder of Zinc Calls and AvianX Decoys, Fred Zinc, and then to open us up, as she does at the beginning of each month, to share the big things that are happening right here at Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Bass Pro Shops Communications Manager, Katie Mitchell. Katie, welcome back. Lots happening. What a year it's been. Give us sort of a rundown of what has happened as we come down the home stretch. Of There's so much I couldn't
2: get it all in, Rob. I'm going to hit the high points, you know. And like I said, as we enter the final countdown for 2019, I thought it'd be kind of fun to look back at some of the highlights and significant events at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's uh, to con this year. You know, these are two iconic brands and leaders in the industry. We now have 171 destination stores offering wow. our customers the best of the absolute best, unmatched savings. Uh, you know, we've got the world class resort destinations and and more with strong commitment, obviously, to our uh, Advancing our conservation ishi- initiatives, and so with that in mind, we always kick off the spring um, with our uh, spring fishing classic. And during that time, you know, uh, anglers can turn in their gently used rods and reels. And then we had this grand event in June, the first of June, called Gone Fishing. And this is a real passion for Mister Morse. Uh, this past spring, during our Gone Fishing event, we donated some fifty-five thousand rods and reels across Amazing. North America <laughs> to help kids get outside. You know, and there are future conservationists in the future of our industry, so it's vitally important to get these kids out there, and we at Bass Pro and Cabela's are doing our best, and to to springboard off of that, Rob, uh, we just recently announced this other great new adventure called Outdoor Adventurers, which is Mm -hmm. a nature-based education initiative aimed at introducing the wonders of the outdoors to kindergarten through fifth-grade students, and these are at urban areas across the U.S. We announced it uh, just recently at Houston at the uh, Katy, Texas store, and um, it's a program that we're doing with uh, National Wildlife Federation and YMCAs, and mm-hmm. we just launched the first three stores doing this event, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, and Houston, and we're going to go to 13 cities over the next three years, and then, you know, just go on and on and on.
0: A lot of people then were rounding up for anglers for the Bahamas. Tell us yes, about that, the momentum
2: Katie. continues for that. Uh, obviously, this country hits so hard. Uh, we announced it back in September, and with a huge uh, kickoff donation by Mr. Morris. Uh, We are now surpassing $5 million, uh, and money's gathered from anglers and customers, et cetera, and it just keeps climbing.
0: Wow. You know, back earlier in the year, and I've got one sitting right here in my barn, Textron and Tracker, what a story that is. Tell us about that.
2: Absolutely. You know, more than 40 years after revolutionizing the boating industry, now Johnny has aligned with Textron Specialized Vehicles, and they're really great at what they do, obviously. Uh, And we have announced the new Tracker Off-Road Series, a lot of uh, high-performance all-terrain vehicles, side-by-sides, this is going to give you what you need in the outdoors, from working the land to hunting the land to just enjoying the land. Uh, Got to check those out this season. Make a great Christmas present under someone's tree.
0: How about new stores? Anything on the horizon?
2: No, we do. We announced a new destination retail store for Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, that's getting pretty close to where my daddy was born there in Virginia. And can't wait to get out there and see those folks and open up another Bass Pro Shops uh, out there.
0: Yep. How about recognition for Bass Pro Shops? Gosh, it just never seems to end. It,
2: it, it doesn't. The accolades keep coming. And, and while we are humbled, we're also very excited and, and, and honored to receive these. But the largest reputation study in the U.S. history ranked Bass Pro Shops 12th most reputable company in America called wow. the Reputation Institute. And this was out of more than 2,200 companies that they compared, and we came in 12. So we are very, very proud of that
0: nascar martin truex boy we almost made it we <laughs> almost, almost
2: made i know same as last year it's the second year now he's come in second after you know clinching that 2017 victory uh championship but he still had a great stellar season with seven wins 15 top fives and 24 top tens can't wait to see what he's going to do next year
0: Oh, I know it. And Santa's Wonderland. My gosh.
2: <laughs> it is the season, Rob. We blinked, and, and it happened. Here it is. It's Christmas. And we're celebrating our 11th year of Santa's Wonderland this year. Obviously, this is a very family, fun, favorite event that offers free crafts, games, activities, and uh, most importantly, a free photo with the jolly old elf himself, Santa Claus. Do you know last year we did our 10 millionth free photo with Santa? We hit ten that million last 10 millionth free photo photo with santa was taken late last season
0: wow katie thanks so much merry christmas happy new year to you and you know thanks for being with us and the wonderful job you do to open our show each month well folks we're going to move to our first break we return we're going to explore the wonderful world of waterfowl with ducks unlimited's chief operating officer nick wiley this and a whole lot more coming right up and i'm your host right here in bass pro shops outdoor world
3: years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, To this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrockettclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World
0: on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're introducing our next guest. Well, this man, he's a lifelong conservationist, an avid hunter, an avid angler. And, you know, he spent a number of years in leading the way in the state of Florida as the executive director of the Florida Wildlife and Conservation Commission. Well, today he's hanging his hat in memphis tennessee serving as ducks unlimited's chief operating officer well let me tell you this guy just he lives for wildlife lives for well these days waterfowl so without any delay let's welcome my good friend nick wiley nick welcome to the show
4: thank you rob good morning it's great to be with you today
0: well i've got to ask you are you in a duck blind (laughs)
4: unfortunately i had to come to the office this morning but here at ducks unlimited it's uh it's cool even to be at our headquarters here in memphis it's a great place and uh but i'll be in the blind soon this week well i know you've already been
0: this season and you know it's duck and it's goose season over most of the country and i know you've been hunting how's it been why don't you share that with our listeners what kind of what kind of success have you experienced (laughs)
4: <laughs> well, I had my first ever duck hunt up in Canada in Alberta, and it was amazing. I encourage folks that early season duck hunting is just amazing up there. Um, and then I've been out in California uh, in this in the in the Central Valley of California near Sacramento, uh, rice country out there. It's wonderful duck hunting out there. Uh, this week headed down Louisiana so I've, I've been able to taste uh, get a taste of a lot of different landscapes and some cool opportunities and the ducks man the ducks are coming this year I'm real excited about this season it's going to be really good all over
0: good we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute but you know with the fall migration you know the question that comes up in the minds of some have have waterfowl reached their wintering grounds or are they still in the move or you know has weather not pushed them there yet
4: Great question, and we hear it a lot. The, the birds are on the move. Um, we've had some really good early season cold fronts that do tend to motivate birds to push south. We've had some several freezes already, so the freeze line is moving them down. Everybody wants to know about mallards. The mallards are on the move. They, they've not made it all the way down south to the Gulf Coast yet. Uh, but they're coming, uh, they're moving through the central and Mississippi flyways. Even on the Atlantic coast, we're getting some good reports of mallards coming down. So they're on the move right now. Uh, they're coming through, uh, if you hunt in the Mississippi river valley, they're coming through right now. Now's the time to get out and be after them.
0: Well, duck numbers, you know, all duck hunters want to know, you know, what's this year look like? Tell us about duck numbers and how are they, you know, how the different species doing?
4: Well, great question. And the good news there, a lot of people don't realize this because hunting seasons, you know, success during hunting season kind of ebbs and flows each year depending on weather patterns and things like that. But the waterfowl populations, we are living in the good old days. Waterfowl populations right now are 10% above long-term averages in the 40 million breeding bird range. I mean, we're talking pretty high level populations right now We're we're fortunate in that regard this season a little bit down below last season as far as overall numbers so the cool thing is um waterfowl populations are doing really well right now um and we're it's a credit to all our hunter conservationists out there that support habitat conservation across the the country
0: well tell us a little bit more about uh how you track these numbers. I mean, this has to be just uh, uh, a tremendous job in trying to, you know, give some figures. And I know you've got a lot of data from past years, but looking at, at this year and, and making those comparisons, what do you do? How do you, how do you go about uh, tracking the numbers of these ducks?
4: Well, the cool thing, a lot of people don't realize this. When they buy that duck stamp and they uh, pay those license fees, it supports state and federal agencies, the state fish and wildlife agencies, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And they actually coordinate the the surveys for waterfowl. They get up in the air, they get up in airplanes, they do scientific surveys every year, run the same routes, count the same areas, they count the ponds, they count the wetlands, they count the ducks. And those data are really what is the heart and soul of our ability to track waterfowl across the country. And so everybody that um, should first think about how important it is to buy that license and pay for those services, and how important those are then to helping us track waterfowl, so we know how the populations are doing. We know where we need to do some work, where we need to help them out. And uh, so, man, it's just uh, a great system. And Ducks Unlimited partners and supports those efforts.
0: Well, how about goose numbers? I mean, we've got Canada geese, snows, and specks, and uh, you know, a lot of guys. I mean, they're focused entirely yeah. on those big, big geese tell us about those how are they do
4: yeah man it's uh the goose numbers are a big positive i mean uh you know we've had a few uh downturns in some some of the canada geese populations particularly on the atlantic but for the most part goose populations are booming i mean booming goose hunting is like amazing right now in fact with snow geese many of your listeners will know we're into a management hunting mode where we have seasons that are extended long past normal and unlimited bag limits and things like that, where we're actually trying to reduce populations of snow geese because they've just gotten, they've, they've rebounded so well.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you've mentioned flyways. We've got some listeners out there that may not really be familiar with that term. Why don't you share with our listeners about the different flyways that we have in this country?
4: Well, sure. You go from the east to the west. We've got an Atlantic Flyway that comes from Canada all the way down to Florida and the Gulf Coast. Uh, uh, birds that are that breed up in the Canada, northern part of that range in Canada and such, they work their way down south every year for the winter. And some even, like blue winged teal and redhead ducks, they'll fly all the way over into Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula to go to, to spend the winter. Then you've got the Mississippi Flyway they're really um, a major flyway corridor from the breeding grounds in the prairies, which are critical. And that flyway brings birds down through the Mississippi River all the way down to the Gulf. And many of those birds also fly across into Mexico. Um, so it's a continental journey all the way from Canada south. But most of the breeding occurs up in Canada and the northern United States. And then you've got the central flyway that comes down from like Uh, Montana, all the way down through those, um, Oklahoma, Texas, and then also many of the birds come into Mexico. And then you've got the Western Flyway, the comes through the western states, the western coast, Alaska, all the way down, uh, down into Mexico and the Baja. So it's uh, we've got a rich uh, flyway system where migratory birds, not just ducks, but all the birds that people love to see come through those flyways as they breed and then migrate and, and get down to where their wintering grounds are, which is really critical for their survival. I'll tell you what everybody enjoys
0: the thrill of seeing these waterfowl and uh, we're going to talk more about that after we come back from this break and we return we're going to continue our discussion of waterfowl with ducks unlimited's nick wiley this and a whole lot more coming right up and i'm rob keck your host here on bass pro shops outdoor world thanks for joining us and we will be right back
5: we are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world but today the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation. And we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. Sure, there's still a whole lot of work to be done, But we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of DU conservationists. And with a little help from you, our future is looking really bright. Ducks Unlimited, working for conservation for generations to come. A public service from Ducks Unlimited.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on
0: Rural Radio Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Ducks Unlimited's Chief Operating Officer, Nick Wiley. You know, Nick, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, up in eastern North Carolina out in Hyde County, almost to the Outer Banks. And, uh, man, I was just, I was so amazed at the flocks of waterfowl that were moving down ahead of this one cold front. But what really captured my attention were swans. Tell us about them. Uh, You know, we don't often hear about those when we talk about waterfowl. We talk about ducks and geese, but how are the swans doing?
4: Well, that's a cool question because uh, swans are uh, doing well along with a lot of the geese populations. And in some places, swans are 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 legal to harvest and uh so many people really it's a, it's a interesting uh exciting opportunity to go out and uh pursue swans i know some people just admire them for their beauty but swan pot tund- tundra swans particularly are really uh, are doing well and uh and so it's a uh, you know such a large majestic bird it's really cool to see them um see them when you're out and about
0: well, it really was. I mean, they were flying low. We were there hunting bears, and, uh, you know, my mind just drifted away from hunting black bears to just the, the numbers and the music. I mean, it was just so enthralling. Well, Nick, we know that Ducks Unlimited is focused on wetland habitats, and we hear so much about the importance of nesting habitat, the nesting grounds, uh, you know, where, where they go each spring. How important is wintering habitat?
4: Well, Rob, it's critical because if the birds can't uh, find a place to to feed and to be safe during the winter so that they can, they can get the food supplies necessary to go back and return back to the breeding grounds, they're just not going to make it. Survival is not going to happen. And so the, the wintering grounds... You know, you need a lot of agricultural land. Birds rely heavily on ag lands. They also rely on a lot of native habitat. Coastal marshes are really critical. The estuaries, places people like to fish for redfish are also places ducks like. And so there are some really important habitats all along the coast, coastal areas, and, and around some of the agricultural lands in the coast. Particularly Rice. Um, we have great partnerships with rice farmers and rice where they go manage rice and harvest rice in a way that's compatible with waterfowl is, is amazing and, and just does such a so much for wintering waterfowl. So the wintering habitat is just critical. Uh, also, hardwood bottomlands where they can come in and get acorns and and feed on natural food and moist soil plants like smartweed, things like that. Um, all the mix of all those different kind of habitats, um, native land, hardwood bottom, agriculture, rice, corn, um, a lot of your grain crops, they, they just uh, those all work together to provide the fuel and the food for ducks to be able to go back north and, and be healthy so they can breed and produce more ducks.
0: Waterfowl hunters are, are challenged to find places to duck and goose hunt, and of course that's true with most hunters. Access is a, is a real challenge, and as you know, there's been some significant opportunities with more access to hunting on wildlife refuge. It's occurred under the Trump administration, in fact several hundred thousand acres having been open to the public. How important is that to hunters?
4: Well, Rob, I've been in this uh, in this work for over thirty years now, and and every the, the the recurring theme is I need a place to go. I mean, I can't continue to hunt if I don't have a place to go. And with waterfowl hunting, it's a little more complicated uh, venture uh, than some types of hunting. So uh, you got a lot of people. You got to have a decoy. You got to have decoys. You got to have a retriever. Uh, you got to have you know experience. So having a place to go, a, a place you can count on, a place close enough that you don't have to drive too far. Uh, Those are all critical. And what, The Department of Interior has done and the Fish and Wildlife Service in really focusing in on hunter access and really ramping up efforts to provide opportunities. I just applaud them for that. I mean, just amazing effort there, amazing focus. Really, they understand how important access is to hunters. And I got to say, too, my background working with state fish and wildlife agencies, they've doubled down on providing access for hunters as well. And all across the country, if you plug into your state fish and wildlife agency, go on their website, call them up, Um, they can help guide you to where good access will be, good hunting opportunities. Uh, Those are places you plug in social media. Link into all the Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts for all these organizations, and you can actually get a better feel for what opportunities and access are in your area.
0: Nick, if somebody has never hunted ducks, never hunted geese, but they would like to go, uh, I guess maybe going with a uh, an outfitter might be away or what suggestions would you have you know we've got to introduce you know we talk about r3 recruitment retention reactivation and when you look on the front end people that say man i'd like to do that but i don't know where to start what would you advise them to do as it relates to waterfowl
4: well i gotta say this rob uh ducks.org go online to ducks unlimited's website and go to one of our local events Mean you meet people that are already out there hunting and that would welcome opportunity to take somebody new in the field um, so that's a great place to start uh, also I, like i said go on websites of your local state fish and wildlife agency the whatever state you're in um, they often have programs that are aimed at getting new hunters out there and and linking you up with mentors. There are a lot of hunting, mentoring programs. I mean, that is the word of the day. Mentoring uh, somebody that hasn't been before, you need to go and and get get with somebody that's had experience can help show you the ropes. And uh, that's the best way to plug in. There are a lot of organizations across the country that are just really gearing up, all hands on deck, provide mentoring and and provide opportunities and access for people that want to get into hunting i'm telling you today nowadays with all the programs going on at the federal state and ngo level i mean uh, you you can get plugged in with relative ease now that you can get on the computer get on social media and quickly find a way to go and, and get access to a to a great hunting opportunity great well look here in the final minute give us a final thought you'd like to share on
0: ducks unlimited's role in hunting
4: well, I just want to tell you, the Ducks Unlimited, our core membership is about waterfowl hunting and their waterfowlers. Waterfowlers are what made Ducks Unlimited what it is today. And so our heart and our loyalty is always going to be toward the duck hunter, um, but I'll tell you the what really has made Ducks Unlimited successful is partnerships. And Rob, I just want to take a minute to say the partnership with Bass Pro um, and and Johnny Morris and John Paul Morris and those guys and people like you, Rob, that support the sport, support conservation through the sport. Man, it's just amazing that we couldn't do anything we do without all the help and support and the partnerships that go across the conservation community. So I just want to end by thanking you for what you do and Bass Pro Shops for what they do and the customers of Bass Pro Shops for helping out with conservation. Nick, I appreciate that. I just want to say
0: thanks so much for giving us some of your time today, but more importantly, your conservation leadership that you've done throughout your career. Good luck. Good luck out in the field. Good luck duck hunting. Folks, we return. Going to be talking with nationally recognized goose caller, TV host, owner of Zinc Calls and AVNX Decoys, Fred Zinc. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shop's Outdoor World. We'll be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and more.
2: This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization.
0: Get connected with Real Ag
1: Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers
6: and ranchers in all of North America.
3: Rural Radio,
6: Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app. Concerned about your local quail populations? Do you care about wildlife, the environment, and our outdoor heritage? Join Quail Forever today and make a difference for wildlife in your area. Quail Forever empowers local chapters with the tools to improve habitat for your area's quail populations. To join or start your own local Quail Forever chapter, contact the Quail Forever National Headquarters toll-free at 1-866-457-8245 or on the web at
1: www.quailforever.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio Sirius XM.
0: And welcome back to the second half hour of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here uh, in beautiful, beautiful Waterfowl, USA. And, uh, you know, we're privileged today to have a guest with us uh, who, well, he's been a TV show host, a nationally recognized goose caller, founder and creator of Zinc's Calls and X Decoys. But, you know, when I think of Waterfowl, I think of this guy all the time. Please help me welcome back to the show, my good friend, Fred Zink. Fred, welcome back to Outdoor World Radio. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having me on today. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, it's it's that time of year, and, you know, I just want to say thanks for allowing us to get into your busy schedule. It's hunting season. What's the good word on waterfowl this season? Good flights, good numbers, good hunting? Yeah,
6: it's really good. The hatch is really good. Really record numbers on the majority of the ducks. Uh, sometimes, uh, some of the uh, populations are actually at an all-time high. And uh, this fall has been, well, it's been extremely cold. <laughs> and uh, a lot of migration, everything's lining up to be excellent. Last year, it was fairly warm, and a lot of people down south kind of struggled. And the people up north had a bang-up season, but this year it's uh, looking like it's going to be uh, just strong from uh, through all the flyways from Canada all the way south so far. It's looking great.
0: Well, that's great. I Earlier in the show uh i had nick wiley on from ducks unlimited i was telling him that a couple of weeks ago i was in uh, eastern north carolina and the swans were just arriving as well as the first snow geese the canadas and just to hear that that waterfowl music i mean it was just it was engaging in a big way and you know fred you're passionate you're passionate about waterfowl what is it about ducks and geese that trips your trigger
6: Well, you know, I got started real young, but I I think the thing that uh, got me involved in it right away was the calling aspect, and then, uh, obviously, decoy. And, you know, uh, I started hunting when I was nine, and it was the passion that uh, I had for that and just a love for it. Uh, I know you can uh, uh, chime in on that with your passion for uh, wild turkey hunting. Same thing, when you're communicating to uh, a wild, one of God's creations, and they actually think that you're them, and then you have a decoy front that they also think is, is real. I mean, there's a lot of combination there, but it's pretty cool. And I think that was my, my passion, just communicating with wildlife in general. Well,
0: how'd you get started? I mean, where, you said you were nine years old. Did somebody take you? Did you go out there on your own? How, how'd that all happen? Give us sort of unfold that that beginning for Fred Zink with waterfowl.
6: Well, with all that said is uh, I grew up in a family that hunted and fished, uh, all my grandpas, my great grandpa, my dad. Uh, and so it's just something I, I love that a lot of people, you know, get started later in life or a friend took them from college or whatever. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, get started when I was, you know, as well, far back as I can remember. Uh, I remember being in Rocky Mountain elk camp when I was three years old, uh, in my dad's elk camp. So just something that uh, I grew up in. I grew up, uh, I was a farm kid uh, in uh, southern Ohio, and uh, you could walk right outside our back door in our pastures sort of on a home farm and shoot pheasants and quail and go rabbit hunting and and uh, whatever you wanted to do, hunt fish. That's kind of what I did growing up as a kid basically almost every day of my life. <laughs> I know the feeling. Well,
0: you know, you yeah. said you started... Duck hunt at nine, but what, what how old were you when you called in your first duck or goose and, and what was probably it? about
6: Yeah, I'd probably say about ten or eleven. I remember the first duck I ever killed was a blue wing teal, uh with my dad with a little side by side 20 gauge. Um but I, I uh you know, I got my start, it's kind of a funny story, but it's true reality. And i look at it now and kinda of chuckle and people are like, Are you crazy? Um, and that's, you were doing it when you were that young, but I would hunt, I would hunt blackbirds almost like on a daily basis, like oh, try to too. decoy them, blackbirds <laughs> and starlings. And growing up on a horse farm, we had 25, 15 to 20, 25 head of horses. And so we had a bunch of, uh, 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 alfalfa and Timothy fields, and we, we we would, uh, uh, bale hay, you know, blackbirds would be in there about a hundred. So I actually had some handmade, I made about I don't know, 150, hundred and fifty, two hundred blackbird decoys out of um uh styrofoam sheets and my my dad was in construction. Uh-huh. So he had every tool known to man, you know, and so when he was at work I was in workshop using all these stuff up. So uh I made a couple hundred blackbird decoys and uh uh my my uh the house I grew up in We had an old bay window. You know, I know you know what that is. A lot of lizards might not know because they're not popular anymore, but they're kind of a rounded window. Yep. And um, it was leaking like a lot of them did, and that's why they're not popular anymore. And uh, (laughs) he took it out and was going to throw it away. I took all the windows out of it and put plywood where the windows was and left the top open, and it had me a portable, a wooden ground blind, as the goose hunters would know of it right now. sure. I would take them out there in that hayfield and set it down and I put all those blackbird decoys around and uh I just remember listening in and I was trying to get Audubon Society and recordings of blackbirds. I was playing recordings and shooting blackbirds <laughs> when I was six, seven, eight years old, you know. So uh uh-huh. that kind of rolled into um uh the waterfowl. Um and there there was and it's still around today, day it's uh, called Wing Supply. And they were no, I remember. In Kentucky. Yeah. Yep. And they would send that yellow that yellow newspaper out. Yep. And the yep. farm kid, I worked for my dad in construction in the summertime. And so growing up I was either bailing hay or, or working on construction crews. And at a young age I had a pocket full of money and then I trapped. I had run fifty to a hundred traps uh, on a daily basis, you know, muskrat, coon, fox, main. oh yeah. And uh so as a young kid, uh I had a pocket full of money and uh I would get my paycheck. And I would uh, open that wing supply catalog up and I'd order me five, six, seven duck calls. And, you know, they'd come in the following week and I'd get them and mess with them. And two weeks later, I'd do the same thing. And so I literally have, I actually have a giant garbage bag. I still have it in storage that's full of, you know, five, 10, 15, $20 calls, uh, from when I was just not even in my teens. And I would buy them and see, you know, the next mouse trap And, uh, it was just something I had a passion for and yeah. And I was lucky enough to also have a talent, you know, uh, coming from, from where I did in Southern Ohio, I didn't have mentors that were good at calling. I had a few, there was a veterinarian, uh, in town named Larry McKenzie. He was pretty good on a duck call. And then there was a, a gentleman, uh, with my uncle, uh, Steve Zink. Uh, he was pretty good on a duck call and a goose call. And so I just started listening to them. And then, uh, you know, there was a guy that you, Bill Harper. Uh, as a guy, I remember you know, Bill. Obviously. Back in the You days, bet, You bet. And he had an old VHS. When you bought a VHS back in the day, it was like you were buying a suitcase. I, remember, I know you remember <laughs> the packages. It wasn't no cardboard sleeve. It was like this plastic. It was like you were actually buying something of value, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it was called uh, Bill Harper, the Science of Duck Calling, or Successful Duck Calling, I think it was. Uh-huh. I must have listened to it. I don't know, 500 times, you know, and uh, just emulating what I heard. And that's kind of how I got started. I just love yeah. it.
0: Well, look, we got to take a break right here. Folks, we return, we're going to be talking duck and goose calling as well as hunting with Fred Zink right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, there could be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action.
4: Hey everybody, I'm Easton Corbin, and I grew up in the smallest county in the state of Florida and that's a long ways from Nashville, let alone elk country. But I've been hunting all my life and I've always dreamed of chasing elk. When I came out west and heard my first bugle, I was hooked. I just had to roll with it. Now I want to make sure that dream will be here for tomorrow's hunters. If you feel the same way, make a difference and join the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation by
1: going to www.rmef.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. On Rural Radio, Sirius XM,
0: and we are back. And thanks for tuning into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you just tuned in, we're privileged to have with us the guy that founded and well perfected zinc calls and x decoys, my good friend Fred Zinc. You know, Fred, what a story! I mean, I, I I hear so much what you say, I can relate to because I, I live that same way as well. And when did you get serious about calling? When when did you say? I mean, this is this is where I want to go.
6: Well, uh, it happened in a duck line and uh, I'd say about what, was nineteen was about I think we had a snowstorm. It was about nineteen eighty eight. About nineteen eighty eight. It was the first day of duck season. And I had uh, when I was just like fifteen or sixteen, so it'd been about I would say eighty six. Mm-hmm. Nineteen eighty six I made a few calls. Um, there was a, a guy named Gritz Grisham.
0: No, I no, Grits uh, very well.
6: The series out, and there was was a gentleman on there named Sean no, who uh, we all know. Uh-huh. and sean at that time i think was the 86 world champion or 85 world champion goose collar and he blew yep. an eastern shore Four. i called an eastern shoreman a goose collar on that yep. and so i made some flute calls when uh, uh out of some exotic woods about 1986 and i wouldn't want to flip it blowing him at that point i was just learning you know and then uh I was talking, I remember I was in this duck line. I could tell you exactly where the duck line was. And I was talking about, you know, making calls. And, and I'd like to learn how to uh, blow better and compete in calling contests. My uncle, he just kind of laughed at me. He goes, I've seen some kids on TV uh, that can blow circles around you. Uh, it was <laughs> like, you've seen on, like, I don't know, CNN or some Probably MBS Sports Center or something like that way back in the day. And, and I went. And he goes, you'd never be able to do it. I went, you know what, I'm going to take that challenge. So I started reading, and then there was a calling contest called the U.S. Open, and it was in Michigan City, Indiana in 1989. And my dad was an avid salmon fisherman. And being from Southern Ohio, uh, we had a boat up on Lake Michigan. It was about a a four-and-a-half-hour drive, and we'd go up there about every weekend in the summertime and troll for salmon. And we were about 30 minutes from Michigan City, Indiana, and I was reading in this little tab that the U.S. Open Goose Calling Contest was going to be uh, like the following weekend. So my dad and I went over there, and it's kind of interesting. There was, I think, 40 callers there. (laughs) And the uh, gentlemen, the individuals that I met there were some of the industry icons that still are the icons today. Um, one of the first guys I met was Tim Grounds, Tim Grounds and uh, no uh, Tim. Tim Grounds. Yeah. I met Tim, uh, Randy Bartz, the flagman who had perfected the, the T flag, mm-hmm. Al Dagger from Delaware, who is a legend out there in that uh, area. Sean Mann was there. Um, Keith McGowan, uh, 88 world champion was there. It was like the who's who. And, uh, I met those guys, uh, and, uh, I got hooked up with Tim Grounds and that was, that was nineteen eighty nine. I bought some of his calls and he helped me get going, I had some cassette tapes. I was lucky enough, Rob, to have natural talent. I was I was talented enough to if I could hear it I could do it fairly soon. Fairly mm-hmm. quick. And it seemed like every day I sit down blew the goose call or duck call, uh, I learned something. And, and it come pretty easy. And then I got into competitive duck calling and uh and goose calling in nineteen ninety. Um, a year later and i won i won the state Goose calling championship that year um, and then uh competed in duck calling contests and Wendell Carlson, who had Carlson championship calls out uh, mm-hmm. rapid Iowa. Mm-hmm. i spent a lot of time with him he helped me understand the exact uh, uh techniques to actually blow a call correctly duck call correctly, and that paid huge dividends with my goose calling and everything just having that basic fundamentals high end at a high level of course i'd travel with tim grounds all over the uh, u.s and canada contest and we hunted together did a lot of his old videos together and he was a mentor and taught me kind of the ways of of the world you know yep. in the waterfowl world yeah look fred it's
0: december geese they've been called to and they've been shot all along the route their southern migration from canada and yeah, these geese have probably seen every decoy set up. They've heard every double cluck known to duck hunting. What's your favorite setup on these wary geese when it gets to this point?
6: Well, this time of year, um, it wouldn't be any different than any style of hunting or fishing, as you've got to play the weather. And uh, you got to understand that uh, when times are easy, uh, geese won't move or ducks won't move, and they won't take much of a chance. So if any of your arsenal is a little bit off, maybe you're blind, a little off, your collar's a little off, decoys ain't quite right or whatever, if if the weather's not uh, pushed hard, and they'll kind of slide off. But when you have weather conditions where they have to feed heavy, a lot of that changes. And mm-hmm. so picking your time would be the number one rule of, of things. Unlike white-tailed deer, white-tailed deer will move after the front. You know, after the wind blows 20, 30 mile an hour, those deer will sit, and then they'll move backwards. Yep. That's not waterfowl. They're the opposite of that. They're going to move heavy in in climate conditions, rain, snow, heavy winds, temperature drops, and then when it calms down, they'll set a couple of days. So putting putting your odds in your favor with the weather conditions for smart birds, whether it be duck or geese or duck or goose, is, will definitely favor you. As far as spreads, um, there's two rules that I live by. Number one rule is um, what I always say is what you see Friday night scouting is what you do Saturday morning. And then what I mean by that is, how you see the bird sitting, where you see the bird sitting, you just duplicate that and pay attention to details. You know, the devil's always in the details. How close are they sitting? Are they in family groups? Are they all masked up in certain areas? What's the location? A lot of body language going on there. And if once you get to be a steward of the game, you start to see that body language and tells you how much food is there, where that food is at. And it allows you to try to duplicate that. Um, the second thing is, don't do what everybody else is doing, uh, because waterfowl, probably more so than anything, uh, that will—they're similar to a largemouth bass. And what I mean by that is, they get a tremendous amount of pressure on a daily basis, and they get wise to that pressure. And so you have to be think a little outside the box. Everybody in your area are using 10 dozen decoys. Don't be afraid to go out there with a dozen decoys or six mm-hmm. decoys and be different. And you'll be surprised at how well you do. Great point.
0: Well, look, we're going to take our final break. The show, we return, we're going to be talking more about duck hunting, goose hunting, new products from Zinc Calls, ABX decoys, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back.
7: Today's hunters are facing some real challenges. Nationally, we lose 6,000 acres of upland habitat every day. Hunter numbers are not keeping pace with population growth. Each of these puts our hunting lifestyle in danger. With your help, the National Wild Turkey Federation is tackling these challenges head on with its Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. Our volunteers have committed to increase wild turkey populations and protect our hunting heritage by improving four million acres of habitat, creating 1.5 million new hunters and opening half a million new acres to public hunting. Join the NWTF today to help make these bold goals a reality. Visit nwtf.org for more information and to find out how you can help protect our way of life. Back to
1: Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio Sirius XM.
0: And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We've been having a fun and educational visit with, uh, well, just a tremendous nationally known goose caller. He's been a TV host and the guy that developed Zinc Calls and X decoys, my good friend, Fred Zinc. Fred, is competition calling the same as
6: field calling? <laughs> well, <laughs> not, even, not even close, but I will say some of the best callers I've seen in the field have been Uh competition callers because of the skill set. Totally different calling. Uh, totally different. Uh, not all great contest callers. Not all world champion callers, in my opinion, are really good in the field, but there is a tremendous amount that are. Um, I think where where a contest caller will have an advantage over a non-contest caller is it puts a call into his hands a lot of times, you know, a couple hundred days a year. And like anything, the more you do something, the better you get. Uh, I think when you couple that skill set with someone that spends a tremendous amount of time in the field and has the talent to actually uh communicate and understand bio language uh of waterfowl and and as you well know turkey uh then you have a combination to some fabulous callers that can really get it done
0: yeah, well, you know Fred back in the seventies, early eighties uh you know people referred to long barreled shotguns as goose guns. Well yeah. we know with modern technology the 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 new loads that are out there, share with our listeners what is your favorite goose gun, and what kind of a load do you like to use
6: well i shoot uh shoot browning i shoot a browning max with some browning a5 and uh one of the reasons I shoot a 12 gauge I grew up and uh, i grew up my goose gun I bought when I was fifteen years old was a mag 10 Ithaca. So I was fifteen years old, I bought an automatic uh ten gauge. Uh and that sounds kinda of funny. I remember the looking at me goes, Where's your mom at? Is your mom and dad? She was sitting out of the car. He made her come in because they couldn't believe this kid wheeled out five hundred sixty four dollars for a brand new Ithaca back then. And uh but you don't need that anymore. Um, you know, that was at that time you could shoot lead. Uh but uh, when it went to steel, a lot of folks got to remember, I started shooting steel in 1984, 85 in Kansas. They were one of the first states to uh, put steel, uh, a band, or lead ban on, and you had to shoot non toxic. And at that particular time, a, a steel shot uh, was just a means to get them down to the ground. And then you had to chase them because it yeah. did not, they, nobody knew anything about it. And the loads were horrible. Uh, today's steel shot is much better. Um, I shoot a 12-gauge shotgun. I shoot three-inch shells. Um, as far as shot, uh, I like to use twos when it's uh, you know probably 45 degrees or warmer, maybe 40 degrees or warmer. And when it gets colder, I'll go to uh, BBs. Uh, and then if it gets real, real cold, I'll shoot triple BBs. Uh, if it's if it's real cold in late season, I might shoot three and a half, but very seldom. Uh, yeah. Decoying birds, twos and BBs are plenty good, but. There's a couple of things that folks need to, to understand, and this goes for all waterfowl loads, is when they say 1450, 1550, and that's feet per second, that's done when it's 75, 80 degrees outside. As, as the colder it gets and the shells get colder, your ballistics because that powder's not burning this fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, it will not have that speed uh, when it's zero, 10 below zero, okay? Uh, That's one factor. And so you need a larger shot to carry momentum. Uh, Number two, later in the year, uh, the geese and and the ducks will have way more down on their body, way more fat, and so they uh, have their armor on to protect themselves. So the warmer it is, the smaller the shot, colder it is, the larger the shot. If you live by those rules, I think you'll do well. Great advice.
0: Great advice. So on. Well, look, tell us about some of the new products uh, from your line of zinc calls and AvianX decoys. We just have a little bit of time, but just why don't you quickly tell us about what's new.
6: Well, we, uh, um, we're working on some, some motion decoys um, that will be available uh, uh, this coming fall. Uh, not this fall, but next fall. And uh, that's going to be our biggest push on AVNX uh we are working on some new duck decoys and goose decoys also um and then on the zinc call side of course we're always pushing the envelope to try to create a better mousetrap um i think the thing with waterfowl calls and it's very similar to turkey calls especially turkey diaphragms is everybody's individually different and not one it's like buying a pair of shoes or a pair of pants not a, not everyone fits the same size with mouth cavities and uh, just the overall structure of your and your human design, everybody's going to want something just slightly different, and that's why we're always trying to come up with different varieties of, of calls uh, so people can find out what they're looking for. And we're always pushing to try to make them easy. I think I think the one thing that we've always tried to live by, I think. Even though we have a tremendous background of, of competition calling, is that we understand that uh, competition callers are they're few and far between, and we're trying to make a call that's easy to blow, that has a tremendous amount of volume, that's effective in the field uh, for your average person to be effective. And I think that's what we've always tried to hang our hat on, um, and we live by, and we've been successful doing it.
0: Yeah, you sure have. And look here, just a last minute. What do you offer that beginner that wants to learn how to use one of those calls? What, what's out there? What do you advise?
6: You know, uh, it, on, the, uh, on the duck call, if you stick in the double reed side, um, we have a, a, one of our most popular calls called an ATM. Um, very easy-blowing double reed. Um, even on duck calling, uh, getting a use started, we make a drake whistle. Getting anywhere, you can make a a, a mallard drake dweeb or a pintail sound or a witching getting them involved, a young a young hunter, or even maybe the, the hunter's 25 years old and just getting involved, uh, trying to sound like live ducks on the water. You need to be able to have a variety of sounds. And, uh, uh, you know, a, a hunter that's been hunting one or two days or one or two weeks, if you sit down, and, uh, especially if you're an expense caller in the group, Sit down and work with them a little bit. They can do the basics, and when you put it all together, you know it sounds really good. Same way with the goose call. Uh, we have a goose call called a COD. It's a very easy mid-tone call, easy to blow, and gets people going. But you got to think. I think we kind of got. I got a little bit off the subject about calling ducks or calling geese. You got to remember, as a guide, we're kind of a one-man band out there guiding, and, and a lot of times we're doing the majority of the calling. But when you're hunting with your friends, two, three, four of your buddies, you don't have to be a world champion. If everybody can just sound like a duck or sound like a goose, one note, two notes, and when you put that together, uh, two, three, four guys are doing that, you can be just as effective as a world champion caller out there. Um, and in, in my opinion, in a lot of cases, even more effective.
0: Well, that is so good. Great advice. We're out of time. I've got so many more questions. We're just going to have to have you back. But thanks for being with us today. Congratulations on all of your achievements in calling the hunting and the business world. And all that you do for the future, of hunting folks. That's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Be back next week, and until then, I'm Rob Keck. I'm half of Bass Pro Shops. So your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week.
1: This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.